My name's Simon Danchuk. I'm in the downtown den where we discuss various issues with key decision makers uh, and people in the know. I'm very pleased to be joined by Steve Broomhead, the uh, interim chief executive of Warrington Council, also a professor at uh, Liverpool Hope, I think, and a uh, strong record in terms of Northwest uh, Development Agency and many other things. And I'm also joined by Claire Haywood, who's uh, the chair of Cheshire and Warrington LEP, a local enterprise partnership, but also a, a director of a business that uh, provides leadership and management uh, training. So thank you for joining us. We're going to have a talk conversation about all things economic development, the current pandemic, and where Cheshire and Warrington are going uh, in the medium and long term. Can we start with you, Claire, in terms of the current lockdown? What's your take on the situation, particularly as it relates to Cheshire? Yeah, I think in many ways where we're where we're up to, um, which is in currently in tier two, um, it puts us in a, a quite a difficult situation. I think for many, obviously, businesses are wanting to keep open um, and ensure that they're safe and secure for everybody. Um, but also, the situation is that um, at tier two, we don't get additional support. So. Um, what we're wanting really is much more clarity regarding the tiers, when you can go into the tiers, when do you leave them. I think the exit strategy is absolutely critical. And, um, and then what is the support? So it's almost going to have a bit of an adverse effect in the fact that if you're in tier three, you actually get some economic support if legally you have to close your business. Whereas in tier two, actually, you're gonna have businesses that, um, that are gonna have the impact but don't get additional support. So it's, you know, it's, it's an extremely difficult balance for absolutely everybody at the moment. And, um, and it's that lives livelihood balance, which is really difficult. And I think the main focus is all of us trying to get out and exit from this tier process in, in its entirety. But we need, we need more support, more clarity, and a little bit more transparency um, is what's required. Yeah. Your take, Steve, what's the situation like in Warrington? You squeeze between these two areas that, as we speak, we've got Merseyside in tier three and the talk as we speak is that Greater Manchester is going to follow suit. But what's the situation like for you? Well, first thing I say, Simon, what's been really good in this is the way in which the LEP and uh, the councils in Cheshire work together in partnership. They've been very cooperative working around this is a public health crisis, but it's also an economic crisis as well. And we may, may have not found the vaccine yet, but we've found a pill for cooperation and partnership working and delivering. So, yeah, it's a difficult situation. Um, this is a bit of a shit show with no toilet roll. Perhaps it's all been solved. It's been chaotic. And as Claire just said, there's no clarity in how you move between the various tiers in terms of threshold or, or trigger points. At what point do you move from tier two to tier three? Is it based on hospitalisation, infection rates, deaths? It's not really very, very clear. We're still in tier two. Uh, we've had no dialogue recently with government about moving from tier two to tier three. That gives me lots of uh, challenges, really. I mean, as Claire just said, the, the support, the business support in, um, in tier two is not as good as it would be in tier three. Although you might argue that in tier three, it's not that good either. But uh, so businesses are struggling, particularly hospitality trade is struggling, and the supply chain, such as taxes, are struggling for uh, certainly in Warrington. But the other challenge I've got, of course, is uh, enforcement. When you're not in uh, tier three, 
I find myself between Greater Manchester and with between the Liverpool City region. Uh, we may have travelling revellers. It's only today I realise that it's the derby game on Saturday, Everton and Liverpool, and if people can't get a drink, they may decide to come here. But we are gearing up for that into additional capacity and investment into enforcement and working very strongly with the police. But it's um, been like thriving on chaos, this really, certainly in, the, in part two of this uh, shit show. And um, but, but as I say, we've worked really well with the lab. That's good to hear. But but as you say, Claire, more transparency required from uh, from government, uh, particularly, is what you'd say. It is, and, uh, and um, uh, we've spent a lot of time together um, across the across the region, and without you know, with beyond the region. Obviously, we don't have these boundaries as uh, Stephen just referred to. You know, people are travelling between, and we have to do that for work. Um, we have to do that with our support bubbles. Uh, of supply chains, etc. So it's actually quite hard, I think, for, for people to translate some of the, some of the, um, if you like, the uh, restrictions and the rules um, in a place where it is changing and it's varying quite a lot. And it also depends what hat you're wearing that moment or that day. Um, and I think that that makes a difference because most of us are parents. We're we're working, um, we're in a home environment, and therefore I think a lot of businesses are struggling to understand what rule works for them at what point. And, um, and, and so, so that's one part of the clarity. Um, the other part of the clarity, as I said, is, is very much about where does and when does the, the support kick in. And I think um, when it comes to evidence, to make it, you know, at the end of the day, you know, most businesses um, are, are led by wanting to ensure that they have clarity, we have evidence, we know what we're dealing with. And at the moment, not only do we have this situation of, of a little bit of chaotic communication around our, our tiering and the situation today, we've also got Brexit around the corner. And for a number of our businesses in the region, that's having an, an additional uh, layer of complexity. And, um, and I don't, I, you know, and I think sometimes we're forgetting to talk about that as well, because that's having a huge impact on supply chain, how that's going to work, where should they focus. So, um, so yeah, there's, um, there's a lot to take into consideration. And in many ways, if we can try and simplify some of the messaging, and I have to say some of what's come out this week, actually, in terms of some of the explanation around the tiers is a little bit easier to understand than it has been up to now. Um, but uh, but the support packages, we need the support packages to be in place for the businesses across all sectors. It's impacting all of our sectors in very different ways, but we can come on to some of that, I think. Thank you, uh, Claire. Yeah, and I'm pleased to say that we've been joined by a couple of uh, downtown members. So thanks for coming along and listening to the conversation. We'll, we'll try and fit some questions in as well. Uh, Steve, what, what's the short-term economic impact, do you think, of the, of the pandemic and how it's been handled? I think it's been pretty mixed, so in this town, I mean, logistics and distribution, of which Omega, which was an empty site six years ago, it's now got 7,000 jobs on there. That's obviously been performing very strongly. Some aspects of the construction sector have done well, but people facing services uh, in the main, the hospitality in particular, are under a lot of pressure. And uh, that's why we've been working with a lap around the business support packages for such businesses coming forward. I'll just simply add really, the messaging from government has been very poor. Um, that's why at a local level, we've had to embark on our own broadcast 
to members of the public about how to interpret the guidance and the advice. There's a difference between regulation, thou shalt not by law, and what's advice. So for instance, we were very surprised to discover that uh, somebody who's COVID positive could actually attend a funeral. That's, that's by law, we didn't know that. And of course that caused a major kick off with the funeral director service, my own bereavement services staff. And we're now having to consider whether we can continue with bereavement and whether we can consider with our cemetery and our crematorium services. Very difficult issues for people who are grieving. But sometimes we don't think some of the regulations have been written in proper consultation with the local level. The government's gone for a centralist set of solutions where really what they should have done right from the start, I include testing in this, is deliver it at a local level with people who know their local communities like councils do. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I'll come back to you on a in a minute on that, Steve. Claire, do you think the government could have done better? In terms of communication, um, absolutely recognise it's a very difficult situation and um, but, but again I think it comes back to that evidence and transparency piece um, and also just being realistic and straightforward so we know what we're what we're working with and um, the track and trace have been very difficult and um, as Stephen mentioned you know one of the elements that we've been quite keen to explore is making sure that we have you know additional control and influence at a local level and that's been really quite difficult to um, one have the negotiation and the, and the debate, um, certainly in an environment where we don't have a mayoral authority. So um, one of the key things that we're really keen to, to explore is, you know, as a as a partnership, you know, how do we make sure we're enhancing some of that local communication, as Stephen mentioned, um, but also, you know, for some of the people in our in our region, they've had, they've been um, my son actually had to go and get tested, and he went to Huddersfield. Um, and we're based in Macclesfield. Um, so, you know, th there, is, there are some challenges around some of the spaces. And our sense is it's been um, much more effective if we could get um, a much more clarity around some of that tra uh, track and trace. But just come back to the local economy question. Um, I think uh, the point that Stephen flags um, regarding some, some of the sectors that are actually doing, doing well in this we have to get that message balance. Um, you know, we interviewed um, Andy Haldane uh, last week and, um, and he was actually in many ways um, putting a slightly more optimistic picture on what's happening with the economy. So if you're, if you're Domino's Pizza, obviously you're doing well. If you're the hot group, you're doing well. If you're Amazon, you're doing well. Um, so, but, but then again, you've got people like Marsden's who've just um, announced quite a lot of job cuts. So, um, yeah, it's a real difficult, you know, it depends on where you're sitting. Um, so it's uh, been, been, been tough. We've just seen a three-week low on the FTSE 100 um, today with the news with the Brexit and the local lockdowns. So, yeah, it's, it's tough, but we have to be resilient and pretty creative, I think. Thanks. And let me bring in one of our, our members at the bottom. I, I, sorry, I don't know your name. It's, it says Jackie, but I suspect that might not be the case. Is that... <laughs> that's, my, that's my weekend alter ego. It's uh, Martin O'Rourke from Birchard Park. <laughs> Did you have a point to make in relation to the conversation so far? It's challenging out there at the moment, is, uh, is the honest answer uh, to where we're going with things. I mean, here on Birchard Park, we've got a, very mi a big mix of occupiers. Some have been successful. Uh, we've got a couple of COVID testing uh, facilities on site. Uh, we've got a DNA lab who've taken on 
200, I think, more staff and just spent £2 million uh, refurbishing their accommodation. But equally, we've got companies who are really struggling. Uh, and it's right across the board. Unfortunately, we've had to make 30 of our catering staff redundant out of 42 because no one's coming into work. Uh, and the difficulty that we've found on site is there is no end in sight. And um, just, just when you, you think you're getting uh, over the hump, we thought September would be a good month with the back to school. Then uh, Boris turned out in mid-September and said, everyone work from home. Where do we go? Yeah, exactly. What is the exit strategy? Steve, I wanted to pick you up on a point you made about the track and trace. The government clearly went for an, a, a national model, didn't they? They decided to use outsourcing companies and throw money at it. Uh, a massive mistake. We already have the structures in place, public health at a local level, local authorities that can could have delivered this stuff. They could have given the money to, to local authorities like yours. Would that not have been a better solution? Absolutely, it would have been. Um, and they gave it out to private sector resource companies, Deloitte and uh, 4GS for the for the test element. I couldn't understand why they'd do that. I mean, we do do testing already with school nurses and things like that. We could have delivered that service at local level and we would, we would be able to get the green messages out much more easily. We'd even have got into discussion with local universities around the laboratory side of actually what do you do having had the test where do you send it for verification? Uh, so I think that's been a mistake. I think they've now realised, uh, Simon, after six months, that a local approach, local leaders provide local solutions, and that's the way they're now moving. But the problem is that uh, councils are, fa are facing now significant financial challenges. Money's been siphoned off into private sector contracts that the government probably can't get out of. They can't move that money to us, and yet we've, we've lost a lot of income We've incurred a lot of additional costs. So unless the money's right for that, it becomes even more difficult. So, you know, to put that mistake right is going to have to require a massive investment uh, into local authorities for us to do that. Good point. Let me, let's move on a little bit now. We've dealt with the immediate and, and the short term. In terms of the medium, long term, Claire, just thinking, of what, what are the priorities for the uh, Cheshire and Warrington let? What, what, what are the sectors that are important? What developments are we going to see in the medium to long term? Yeah. Um, so we've been working with Stephen and um, the other local authority leaders and our business communities to develop a, a new vision for the region. And um, we're, we're very focused on sort of building, building, building a better future together. Um, and we've got a new vision that we've created, um, which we believe is really important actually to make sure that we do have that light at the end of the tunnel, um, uh, as our colleagues mentioned here. Um, so, and that new vision is about being healthy, sustainable, inclusive, and growing. And that healthy, sustainable, inclusive, and growing message is what's really underpinning a lot of our recovery focus. And, um, and that under, if you like, under the sustainability piece, you know, we're focused on looking at uh, sustainability and inclusivity commission, to really put in place a really clear roadmap for what we're going to be doing around that, which will include hydrogen, carbon capture, um, making sure that we're also taking into consideration. You know, we've got a project with um, Stephen, with putting in place with one of the building, um, building back funds, um, which was around the e-bus station or e-buses. Stephen, you might want to come in on that, um, which is um, 
a very exciting project, but that's all under sustainability. But also we've got, to, if we think about what's happening um, from a digitization perspective, you know, at one level, this is really just accelerated what was happening anyway from a technology and digitization. And many uh, sectors and in many of organizations have responded to that very effectively. Where we have an issue is where we haven't got digital inclusivity across our region. So there are some young people, there are some households, there are some organizations now that can't invest in the digital technologies that they need to be able to play it on par and, and making sure that they have got a, uh, an equal uh, match or an equal field to play in, looking at your businesses again behind you. And, um, and that's actually a big issue and something that we're spending a lot of time on. And we're, the other bit is we're investing very much on our, in our logistics and our bio, uh, biotech companies and the life sciences environment. And then just coming back to hospitality, the hospitality sector, retail sector and tourism sector has needed a huge amount of support. So we've been spending a lot of time you know, supporting them through communications and webinars and grants. And we have a number of grants we've been putting out to, to businesses to support them. So there's a lot going on under each of the healthy, sustainable, inclusive elements, which will all enable us to continue to grow. Um, that's both sort of short-term and long-term, some pragmatic things as well as some longer-term activity. Thanks, Claire. Steve, you, you mentioned uh, logistics and uh, warehousing distribution. That's been the backbone to an extent of Warrington in recent years, but more to it than that, I suspect. Yeah, I mean, I think COVID means you've got to uh, reset the whole your thinking around the economy going forward. Massive paradigm shift needed. Um, um, certainly, and also, we, I think we have to learn to live with COVID sort of for the next two to three years and incorporate that in our business in our working lives uh, and make appropriate disruptive adjustments uh, certainly um, in terms of um, where some of the priorities going forward here certainly the, um, the the green agenda sustainable agenda we're really pleased we're working with the lap on the sustainable commission to look at what opportunities are around some of those areas and uh, chash has actually got a really good track record around this in the nuclear sector for instance yeah, and also around the um, sustainability agenda. One of the things we're doing here is looking to whether or not we can convert all of our bus fleet. We're one of the few places in the country that has a municipal bus company, and we're looking to convert all of our buses uh, over to electric buses, and we've been involved with the government bid at the moment. Got to reimagine, I think, what we do with retail, shopping centres, looking at whether they can be converted into residential properties but making sure if you do that you get a mix of residential properties they are and will become matchbox type flats they should think about family housing and so on so there's a real big agenda in front of us the digital agenda i mean i've had to go from being a digital dinosaur assignment to buzz Lightyear in six months i can only use the delete button on the keypad when i first started with this and everybody's, I think, had to adjust to Teams, Zoom, Hangout, and so on. And that's been a big business adjustment, actually. You wouldn't have been able to carry on. What's been really good is how that uh, infrastructure is actually held up for six months. Uh, so we can at least do some business. Not that's the sort of business we were doing before, doing the business in a different way. You can stay with you for a second, Steve. I noticed a couple of months ago that there is a new, a new market hall in Warrington. That looks absolutely fantastic, doesn't it? But 
as you mentioned, retail high streets are going to suffer, aren't they? Yeah, well, I think retail shifted. I mean, the market hall is very much uh, modelled on uh, the one in Altrincham, which has been a great success. It's more niche, it's more crafty, it's more edgy. I think what one may see is away from drift away from retail in shopping centres and town centres into more into more uh, uh, suburban type of retail. The corner shop may be coming back. I don't know. But people begin to think about the way in which retail is being designed and delivered, and we want to be part of that. Claire, Chester, staying with retail, high streets, Chester, uh, Congleton, Macclesfield, are they going to struggle in this climate and afterwards? Yeah, um, I think it comes back to the point that Stephen was just making in the fact that we are going to have to reimagine. Uh, we have an opportunity. Um, with crew and with HS2 and the growth corridors to actually use that opportunity to reimagine what crew could look like, um, you know, and creating an, uh, an ambitious vision um, and make sure that where we know there is going to be some investments, where we've got the bill, um, the um, great towns fund. Um, I think it's, it's important that we work with the context within which we're operating. My, my nervousness is that we're designing things that would have been great two years ago. Um, you know, we need to really make sure that we're working with the planners, that we're working with the architects to ensure that we're thinking ahead because I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I agree with Stephen. This is going to be uh, with us for a long time. And if it's not COVID, it will be potentially something else. We just need to be quite um, creative and thinking about how we're going to operate with this. So, you know, people are talking about hybrid. So if you think about uh, what, is, what is happening across our various business parks at the moment and how people are working together and also within the town centres, it's more going to be creating hubs and enabling people to, if you like, almost parallel working. So you're sort of moving in and out and, and, and moving that whole um, operation. And there's been some quite a lot of studies that have just been done regarding our productivity with remote working. Yeah and whether that is sustainable. And there is a sense that actually people could work in a productive and still engage with their, um, their organization's culture if they're in the office for two days a week rather than five days a week. You know, that productivity piece doesn't, doesn't roll off. But that's obviously if you're only working in a professional services environment or in an office environment, it's very different for tourism. I think we're gonna need some heaters if we're going to be operating outside, you know, <laughs> maybe we should invest in some, in some, in some heaters and, and some tarpaulins and some outdoor, outdoor support because, uh, as we know, uh, we're going to find a lot of re uh, high streets, I think, trying to think how creatively they can put some sails up so that we can still continue to, to uh, operate inside. But, yeah, um, I think we are going to see the high street change. Um, but it's all about trying to create the right experience. I think that's a really good point though and it's a practical issue isn't it? I travelled up from London yesterday and you quickly feel the cold you know coming up north it really does make a difference. London has a, a microclimate that keeps you relatively warm and then it when you get on the get off the train in Manchester it hits you and I'm conscious we've got Stephen Hesketh with us just do indicate Stephen if there's a point that you want to make or come in on anything do you want to say a few words? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I presume this is Chatham House rules. Is it usual DIB type type stuff? 
Yeah. Um, I, I don't know anyone on the call, uh, but a, a, a quick round of I run the Townhouse Hotel in Chester, and I have two other hotels in, in Liverpool. I also chair the Chester Hospitality Association, and I'm vice chair for Liverpool Hospitality Association. So obviously have hospitality running through my veins, and it goes without saying that times are very, very tough. And I can throw all sorts of quotes and goodness knows what at you and, and actually had for the first time a conversation with Andrew, um, uh, the chief exec of uh, Cheshire, um, Cheshire Western. And, and, and uh, not to bring the whole mood of the conversation down, but there is uh, specifically in, in Chester and Cheshire, there is a real misunderstanding between the council and sadly the LEP on hospitality and tourism and you know with one toe in Liverpool and one toe in Chester it's like chalk and cheese you know we I have weekly calls with Tony Reeves in, in Liverpool uh, their communication is is almost flawless to some degree they've really engaged understand tourism and and really work closely with us and at least give us the impression that we are we are being heard and and have have a voice um, I know it's much different and resources are very different from Liverpool city region to, to Cheshire because of the whole political and I'm not politically uh, educated in any way, shape or form. I'm a good old, you know, grew up as a, I was a window cleaner and worked my way up the bank, but actually I'm an entrepreneur and I've done pretty well for myself, but these are unprecedented times. Mm. Our bookings on, I covered my reception desk, which I haven't done for nearly three years, four years. Uh, at Chester on the same night Boris was telling everybody we're going into lockdown and had £4,000 worth of bookings cancel within a four hour period of that evening at Chester and £14,000 worth of cancellations in Liverpool for my, my bigger properties. That's the reality of what we're facing. We're sat here with 10% occupancy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We've given up on central government. You know, you've got Liverpool City Council and uh, the, the, the LEP pulling together this 40 million pound fund. It's something. Now we bring that into Cheshire. And again, I'm really sorry to say, it's a lost cause. We, we, you know, the conversation the other night at five o'clock with, with, with the guys, I may as well have been the only private sector entrepreneur on the call and everyone else was, was public sector, almost patting themselves on the back that the glass house is half full and everything's honky dory. There's a real wake-up call required in, in the LEP and the council here. Chester, they're barking mad. The damage they're doing just in, in respects to the roads, let alone what the COVID is doing to us, it's like they want to put a double whammy on us. Uh, we really are. And, and as I said, I represent 40 hotels and restaurants in, in, in the city centre of Chester. And there's not one person disagreeing with me. They physically... I feel as though Chester sort of put their head in a, in a cloud and go, let's only talk about positive things. Let's talk green, let's talk bio and, and hospitality's forgotten about. But the employment that we bring, the business rates that we bring, the place setting that we bring, which is ever so important to complement and bringing those biotech geniuses and all this, you know, I'm not knocking any other industry because it's invaluable, you know, Airbus, all these big guys that for Cheshire are fundamentally huge but you won't attract the people you need without the hospitality. And, and we're, we're, because we're in the, we serve people, we're almost, England really does suffer from this problem of, oh, we don't deal with, with the service people. They're, they're, you know, whereas in Europe and Australia where I grew up, 
you were actually really proud to be a general manager or proud to be in the service business. We have this, this real fear in the UK and it's, it's, it's actually amplified in Cheshire. God, it gets my goat, you know, and uh, you know, I, you try and not get angry about it, et cetera. But, you've, well, but, you've certainly got your message across, Stephen, and thanks for sharing your experience. And you quite clearly have a, a contrasting experience, one from Merseyside, Liverpool, and then one from mm. with Cheshire. I just wonder, Claire, do you... I think Stephen makes a, a very, very good point. And, um, and uh, Stephen, I also run a business, so I do feel, feel your pain. Um, so, um, and, and it is extremely difficult. And um, one, of the re one of the things that we are trying very hard to, to be doing right now is lobbying government so that we can get more resources. Um, what we have um, been trying to do this, this week actually is try to find some additional monies um, as a let, which actually would be um, focused primarily on the hospitality industry. We have put two million pounds into uh, grants, business support grants, over the last um, two, two, three months, um, which has been primarily for the hospitality industry. And, um, and I'm hoping that some of your partners have had the opportunity to, to access that. Um, and, and that's been used in a variety of different ways, whether it's been through screens, whether it's been about providing um, some iPads to enable bookings and various other things. So, um, but we are working extremely hard to try and get more resources to, and money to actually focus in on the, um, on the hospitality industry. And I'm hoping actually at the beginning of next week, we might be able to announce um, some more funding and then more grants. But I have to put it into the context of the fact that we're not a devolved authority. We don't have that kind of access to, to resources. So it does make it actually really quite challenging. But I, I absolutely hear what you're saying. Um, so it'd be good to, hear, to, to know from you whether any of the people in your um, sector and your, your um, partners, whether anybody has accessed any of that funding. And if they haven't, uh, why not? Have we not got our communication right? And the only other thing that we've been trying to do is, um, is share some of the, um, you know, what other hospitality are doing. I know we're running webinars and putting some comms in place through, through the growth hub. But um, Stephen, I absolutely hear what you're saying. Um, and I'd like to know what else you think we could be doing given the resources we currently have access to. And, you know, we're really banging very hard to try and make sure that we get more into Cheshire and Warrington. Stephen Esker, if you could just come back uh, just briefly on that, and then I'm going to move the discussion on to onto governance. But do you just want to respond to that? Sure. Yeah. Um, I think from the the uh, the recent uh, grants, they've been very heavily uh, pushed towards uh, being assessed on what are you bringing in digitally and all, and all this type of stuff. And whilst again, there's a time and a place for that. That's not the time for hospitality right now. We're in survival mode. Um, you know, I've, I have invested into my product and extended the garden outside and introduced this secret garden in townhouse to ensure that I'm being as uh, open and as flexible and moving with the times as possible. But grant wise, with the exception of the initial grant back in April, um, which was the 25,000 pounds, um, no other grants have been able to be accessed. And trust me, I've looked at every, every single one I think I can, I can access. 
and again, uh, what what is also often forgotten about, particularly Chester, and I am very Chester-centric, obviously, mm. is Chester was declining in the hotel um, occupancy rate from mid-2019. We we're on a downward spiral. And so when you have a very poor November, a, a poor December in the scheme of December, go into January and February, which is always a crap time anyway, and you come back into the, the race times that, you know, the times, and, and, and actually, we've, we've had a crap 12 months, let alone April, we've, we've had a crap 12 months. So the 25K grant didn't touch the sides. I, I lease my property, I rent my property. I've had a fairly decent conversation with landlord and got some uh, discount during that key period. But now he's like, I can't give you anything more again. And actually we're in a worse position because at least I furloughed 90% uh, of my team, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, I've already decreased the team. You're having to make decisions instantly and very, very fast. And I just, for me, uh, we've got to look at, right, what of those grants weren't used? Can that funding be repurposed? There must have been some that, that weren't repurposed. I don't believe central government are going to come up with a plan for us. I generally don't. So what can we do? And I'd be open to have further conversations off, off this call to sort of go, you know, mm. do we look at, uh, you know, conversations where the council can borrow money and there's some sort of, we just, we, it's out the box thinking. And I, for me, I just don't believe Chester and Cheshire are in that mindset specifically, specifically with hospitality and tourism. Yeah, I, let's let's pick let's pick that up because I know that Stephen and um, the, the LEP and the local authority would want to have that conversation. And we are thinking outside the box. We but we don't want there to be a box. So we're very happy to take that challenge and think even more broadly, um, and really understand where you're coming from. Um, so let's pick let's let's do let's do that let's think how creatively we can pick some of some of that those issues up um and just so you you're aware so you've understood uh, some of the, the context we're operating in is some of the the access we have is you know it's defined resource and money which has to be spent from the capital perspective so we're trying to be creative but we also have some very strict guidelines we need to work with them which is a little frustrating given the scenario that we're in. So let's, let's, because um, I think you're right, we have to think outside, absolutely outside the box on this. So, yeah. well, I'm, I'm pleased that you two have made that connection as well. Let me bring Stephen Rumed back. Some of this is about governance anyway, isn't it? And I, I wanted to really turn the conversation to the city region, uh, and Claire mentioned it earlier, but uh, I mean, you. You're in between Merseyside and uh, Liverpool City Region and uh, the Man Greater Manchester Combined Authority. What, what are the proposals for Chester, uh, for Cheshire? I mean, Lancashire are sort of moving that way, aren't they? What's going to happen in Cheshire, Steve? Well, just before I answer that, I mean, the frustrations that Stephen uh, uh, mentioned there are the same ones here in Warrington. I met a group of bar owners today. It's all about business survival. They don't want to know about strategy and concepts. I want to know about can we help them out and certainly one of the things the other things that COVID's done really i think is look, let us look at our creativity the way in which we can uh, work with uh, borrowing money and creating money in a different way creating business business support in terms of devolution i mean clearly uh, liverpool are able to draw down that 40 million that stephen mentioned because they're they are now a, a a city region under a mayor under steve rotherham 
Well, certainly in Cheshire, we've been talking for two years. Indeed, we put a bid in three years ago to government for a very similar model with the mayoral concept. Now, that mayoral concept is quite controversial, particularly for, for, for existing politicians. But it basically is where you, if you don't do that, you get a lesser level of support. Those discussions are still proceeding. I think all of us are still on the same page. Some days people move off the page because it's a, you know, it's a difficult concept, this uh, devolution. But the great thing about Cheshire, and I include the LEP in this, and I said right at the start, how strongly we're working together in partnership pre and post COVID. Yeah, thanks Nick. Claire, your views on, on uh, re sub-regional governance? Yeah, it, it's a, it's an interesting one, and I think with what's happening at the moment, the importance of, of local decision-making, local access to resourcing, just coming back to exactly the point that uh, Steve, both Stevens are making, is uh, you know, we need to have access to resources to be able to definitively support those businesses that we know intimately in our region. Because every single region has nuance and diff different tapestry and different texture and, and therefore we need to support them differently. And at the moment we've got our hands held uh, behind our backs a little because we haven't got access to that. One of the things I'm really keen to, to understand is actually also making sure that we en enhance our voice um, and, and, and influence on that basis, which is something we've been working um, hard to do. Um, so, so yes, there's, um, the, it's, a bit, it's a little challenging at the moment because there are different views. And um, uh, but I think across the local authorities and the LEP, we, we are you know, keen to bring that control into into the into the region so that we can be much more specific about supporting people like Stephen and other businesses in the region. Let, let me uh, draw things to a close, but let me also start by thanking our uh, members who've come on and, and given their contribution. It's been great to have you, Claire and Steve. Uh, thank you very much indeed. It's been a thorough discussion about the current situation and the, the way forward uh, for the future in Cheshire and Warrington. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Sarah. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you.